So let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Lord, we take a deep breath. Allow us to be aware of your presence and your spirit in this place. Give us insight and wisdom about applying 1 Timothy 4 to our lives as individuals and also as a community of faith. One that seeks to put you as foundational in all of life. Lord, show us, Lord, what it looks like to, to live out these truths that Paul wrote to Timothy as he pastored and labored away with the church at Ephesus. Lord, may we together as a community understand, get new insights, encourage each other, challenge each other, understand with each other what this text is saying to us gathered 2,000 years after it was written. So Lord, we, we just pray that you would allow us to be aware of the Spirit and what the Spirit is saying to us today. We pray in your name. Amen. So over the last several weeks, we've been looking at this series called Blueprint, looking at uh, 1 Timothy, the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy as he pastored um, the church at Ephesus. And we have been talking about kind of what it looks like as a church to have this text kind of as a blueprint to how we live together as followers of Jesus. How we've like talked about as a church, the foundation of it is being is is Jesus. And so we've talked about how uh, it's given us blueprints of how we build each other up, how we live together as followers of Jesus. We've talked about um, how we, as a builder, I mean, if you've built, as we talked about before, as you build anything, if you really want to build something well, you have to have a plan. You have to um, draw up the, the blueprints. You know, all too often, something from in my instance is usually what happens is I say, you know, ready, go, set, you know, or like ready, fire, aim. You know, it's like I want to do something. I go do it. I don't think about it too much. And then my wife goes, yeah, that probably didn't turn out very well, did it? I'm like, no, no, no. You know, so there was this one story that when Kim was reading uh, this book about the 12 disciples, she got to Peter and she goes, man, Peter is so brash. He doesn't think before he does things. And she looked at me. So I said, yeah, that's probably about right. So here, here, you know, the Apostle Paul has given Timothy, as he's pastoring this church at Ephesus, how, how do you do life together? How do you be the church together? And so we've been talking about that. Um, we've been talking about every good building starts with a good foundation. And so the church, the foundation is Jesus, his life, 
his ministry, his mission, his teaching, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. That is the bare bones foundation of the church. If you don't build on that, the rest of the building falls apart. I think, I think if we're honest, all we have to do is look at our own lives at times that we've not put Jesus as our foundation, but we also can look at the church in America and go, man, we can name hundreds of things that the church in America has put as foundational. A lot of times, from where I stand, a lot of times it's the political persuasion. It's, the, it's well, I'm this or that, and that ends up coloring the way that I look at the church, the way that I look at Jesus. You know, well, you know, if I'm Democrat, I can't worship with you if you're Republican. And it's like, whoa, whoa, wait, what? So today... We're looking at 1 Timothy 4, as Bill has read for us. And so we're going to try an experiment. So, like, I hope just go with it. You know, if you like it, great. If you don't, I don't want to hear it. (laughs) It's an experiment. And I was thinking, like, man, what would it be like to really be more dialogical than what we already are? Okay, and so we're going to do an experiment. Okay, and so what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do is I'm going to teach the kind of the contextual stuff for a little while. And then we're going to have a period of silence where you're going to reflect on two questions. And then we're going to dialogue around these two questions. And then we're going to see what comes out of that and see what ends up being the good news, the inbreaking good news of the kingdom at the end. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Because I feel like there's going to be a lot of good conversations. But don't worry. They'll be on the screen, too. So you maybe you, you, you need, my, need my glasses. <laughs> so, um, so we're going to jump in. So as I was looking at 1 Timothy 4, I was looking at a commentary. And they put the overarching like form of this chapter in this way. They said the overarching theme is instructions concerning dangers. And so that verses 1 to 5 is the description of the dangers of what's happening in the church at Ephesus, the teachers that are coming in and teaching things that are other than the kingdom and and the ways of Jesus. And then the rest of it, 6 to 16, are how did you defend against these very dangers? And so that's kind of the format that I'm going to use. So... The description of the dangers, 1 Timothy 4, 1 to 5. The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith, follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such things, such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences are been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. So, early on in our conversation, we talked about some of the things that were happening in that church as Timothy was pastoring the community. Because what was happening was people were coming in and they were teaching and believing false doctrines. They were devoting themselves to myths and endless genealogies. They were promoting controversial, controversial speculations, what I like to call conspiracy theories. 
and rather than giving themselves to Jesus and advancing the kingdom of God. And so Paul here is saying at the beginning of chapter 4 that those very people were coming in with teachings and believing false doctrines. They were believing myths, endless genealogies, and they were promoting controversial speculations. And what we also talked about is how they were fighting each other about it too. Because we talked about Paul in one of the other chapters saying about, I want men everywhere to hold up, like pray together. Because they were not praying together. They weren't, they weren't lifting up hands in prayer. They were lifting up fists and fighting each other. And I don't know if that was actually physical fighting. I don't think so. But, you know, they were fighting each other. They were trying to get their own way. And so they had abandoned the way of Jesus and his kingdom. And instead, as Paul says here, following deceiving spirits and getting their spiritual formation, not from Jesus, but from demons. And so these people, they were part of the church, but they were teaching false doctrines. And they were teaching from a place of hypocritical lying. They were liars and they were hypocrites. So what they were saying is their lives and their teaching were counter to the way of Jesus and the way of the kingdom. So they were hypocritical and they were lying. Their life was not pointing to Jesus, his life and his death and his resurrection and his ascension. And their teachings weren't that way either and so they were pointing to themselves they weren't seeking to reflect the kingdom of god in this world and so paul says this they were teaching false doctrines they had their consciences seared as with a hot iron like think about um branding like a cattle like i don't know anything about it but other than i know i've what i've seen is they put this hot iron and they push it against the flesh and you can hear the searing of it you know, but Paul is actually what he's making a reference to is there was this ancient practice of branding a criminal on the forehead with a hot iron. And so it was like seared in there that you're a criminal. Everybody knew it. Everybody could see it. It's just the way it was. And so Paul is making that reference that they had been seared. Their conscience was burned. And there was no way that they were going to understand these things and so what were they teaching in verse 3 they said they forbid marriage and they were forbidding eating foods of certain kinds so now some theologians actually say this is an early form of what they call gnosticism gnosticism was this belief that the body was evil and the spirit was good so anything that had to do with the body was wrong Everything had to do with the spirit was good and whole and right. And so right here it's saying marriage is wrong and so is eating certain kinds of foods. And that, uh, so Paul is saying, no, no. The things that God has created, the things from God's created order is actually good. Marriage is good. Food is good. We are made to see that. We are made in such a way that when we receive them with thanksgiving and with prayer and with joy, it's worshipful to God. And so um, he's talking really, basically, he says they were created by God. Genesis chapter 1, God's entire creation is what? It was good. Remember in Genesis 1, he talks about God created and it was good. It was God created and it was good. And then we got to the end and it was human and it was very good. 
And so Paul is bringing them back to this idea that marriage and meat are good. So N.T. Wright says this, God saw all that he made and it was very good. That is the foundation of all genuine Christian and for that matter, Jewish thinking. He goes on, it is the belief that the God who made the world in the first place is remaking it through Jesus and the spirit. And we're called not to abandon our humanity, but celebrate its rescue, redemption, and remaking. So, meat, food, sex, alcohol, all these things that have come from God's creator can be good things, can be received with thanksgiving and prayer and worship because they've been created by God. God has created things that are good in their proper form and context. I'm, and so I'm not saying eat as much meat as you want every day, all day long. Well, that wouldn't be good. Drink as much alcohol as you want. No, that's not what I'm saying. But those things can be received as good in its proper context. I think too often what we see a lot of times is people fall off one end or the spectrum. They either idolize these things and these become, they almost deify it. Or on the opposite, they vilify it. It's either all good and perfect and oh my gosh, or get away from those things. Those are evil. They should be rejected. And I think Paul is trying to walk this other line of saying, no, in the proper context, the God's created order are good and right. All things in God's creator are good and be received with thanksgiving. And so then he makes this transition in in verses 6 to 16 to, well, then how do you fight these doctrines? How do you stand up against what these false teachers were bringing into the church? How do you stay connected and grounded the foundation of Jesus in the way of the kingdom? He says this, If you point these things out to brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. This is why we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the savior of all people and especially those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in this matter. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So to sum up, this part of the chapter, Paul is calling the church and leaders to do the hard work of spiritual formation that's grounded in the foundation of Jesus. Again, going back to N.T. Wright, he sums it up this way. If you're for true piety and genuine godliness, you need to go into just as much training as an athlete. This training or spiritual formation won't just make you spiritually fit. It will make you into the kind of person who reflects the image and likeness of Jesus.
Because he talks about running is good, but basically act in such a way that you're an athlete and you're pursuing the work of spiritual transformation and formation. And so he's saying these, four, these false doctrines are coming into the church, and if you want to combat them, what you do need to do is teach and train and develop disciples of Jesus who have that as the base. That is the foundation. Also, did you notice, he says, don't let anyone look down on you because of your youth, but set an example for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. We talked about building up again, like from the foundation. What does it look like to have Jesus as our foundation? Well, right here, how do you use your words? Do you use them to build others up? Or do you use it to tear others down? Do you bring life with your words? Or do you bring death with your words? He says, speech, in conduct, the way we live our life, the way that I live my life speaks to what I believe in. I mean, I may open my mouth and say one thing, but then I live in such another way that it actually says, well, I think you have to believe that more. And so to have Jesus in our foundation is how we live our life. Are we a people of love? They will know we are Christians by our political persuasions, our political positions, our uh, T-shirts, our signs. No, no, we all know that's not right. It's, they will know we are Christians by how we love each other. That doesn't even say how we love the world. It says how we love each other. Whew, that's hard because sometimes I don't think I love some Christians at times. I probably, you know, maybe I'm the only one, but I don't think so. And so there's love, and also then he's in faith and in purity. That's what it looks like to have Jesus as foundation. And so now we're going to go into a time about three minutes of silence to reflect on these two questions, and I'll have them up on the screen. First one, let Jake, you want to borrow my glasses? Um, where is there conflict for you in this passage? What is the spirit disrupting? And then where is there some clarity in this passage? What is the spirit confirming? So I have them up on the screen for three months. We'll just have a time of science to reflect on those
So now we're going to have a short time to, to, to share what you sense the spirit may be sparking among us. Um, don't try to share longer than a minute. Gives room for each other. Um, it's also okay to have different opinions and thoughts. We're not here to like, um, it's okay to have something that you disagree with. Um, and so what do you, what, so the first thing is what do you um, sense for you the spirit where there's some conflict, um, what's, what's the spirit disrupting from the text and maybe also from some of the things that I shared? And I'm going to write them down. Yep. Yes. Yes. All of it. All of it. I had good.
implied in more like like a stronger link, like it's not wrong as long as you have thankfulness. And uh, so I don't know that it, it was interesting to me that, you know, I don't know that I'd go that far and say something could be wrong unless it's, unless, you know, it's something, any, anything could be correct if you have a, if you're happy about it, if you have a good attitude, you know. So like, um, depending on how you read that, you can get a slightly different interpretation. But I don't know, it is really interesting verse. Does does the attitude does your attitude find something to do with So I just hear you say is everything is everything good? Question mark. Sure. It just depends on my attitude. Depending on attitude. See, I was looking at that and seeing the first part where it says, for everything God created is good. Does that mean Twinkies aren't good? Ice cream's not good? Twinkies are good. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe that's part of it. Everything God created is good and should be received with thanksgiving. It is a sentence. It's not a two sentences. Yeah. Well, I thought you did. The gas station, they have the brand, the people, something about it. You had said one time that the track trees are very famous. Maple donuts. No, no, it was, it was a brand. It was a long time ago. <laughs> I thought he said maple donuts. No, it was, it was some brand. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> I, was con- I, was, I was, the one that, that stood, stood out to me is verse six. If you point these things out to brothers, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. There's a sense of like, hey, hey, Timothy, you're to lovingly challenge and confront these very people. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that, you know. So there's some, there's some, there's some confrontation. And I don't, you know, obviously not like, Again, I'm going to take my fist and I'm going to confront you, but like lovingly challenge and confront these people who had. Just know that your writing is getting a little slow. Well, I'm running out of room. Yeah. Um, for like verse 13, we have this just such a high focus. That's two things. There's such a like focus on like the teaching. It's kind of like if you're in conflict, go to teaching, not like go listen to a worship song or distract yourself in other ways. But it's like, what's teaching say? Conflict. Conflicts as the spirit is pushing into you, disrupting. Okay. We're gonna go to the next one. What is some where is there clarity or what is the spirit confirming in you?
reason we work and do the best we can is because our hope is to live in God. So well, this is kind of like the same, same line of, of uh, you know, recognizing that there is a lot of good in it. And I was thinking of it in the context of all the mental health stuff out there, and, you know, people really struggling to find joy and find uh, you know, reason to live. And uh, so there is, there is a reason. Persevere in life and doctrine. Kind of add on to that too. It's to like save yourself, but then also others. Yeah. It's like save yourself at first, but by that, you know, save others. too is like God God doesn't need us but everywhere in scripture and in our lives he chooses partnership you don't, he don't, he's, he's self-sustaining he doesn't need me to do anything but he, everywhere he does he chooses partnership I, I mean I think I'm like really like do you know the junk yeah I do know the junk I know all of you. I know inside and out, and I choose partnership, which, you know, I'm like, nah, God, you don't know me. But he does. I'm kind of adding to there verse 16. We have to keep a close watch on ourselves. Um, we got to make sure what we're saying is actually in line with the teachings that we're, we're reading. Well, that is the interesting thing, right? Sometimes you're like, oh, the, like, like the older you get, the more spiritually wise you are. And then you meet somebody who's like, like 80 and who's been in the church a long time and you go, well, uh, I, I'm not trying to judge, but like you're not spiritually formed that deep. You know, and then you meet some like 14-year-old and you're like, how did you get to where you are? Like, what is going on? You know, I've, and I've met, I've met, you know, I've, some older ladies in my last church, I'm like, I want to, I want to be like you when I grow up. Like, the older they got, the more deeply formed and rooted they got. And it was, and, but then there were some other ones, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. And I, and I was not judging them, but I was just like, ah. They're just getting crankier and angrier and more judgmental. And I'm like, ah. I just run away from them, but I run towards people who are just like more look like Jesus every day. 
the older they get. And the last bit for this one. So now we're turning to what what has uh, kind of come together. What do you see as themes? What's intriguing? What might the Spirit be saying to us gathered here together from all this? Yeah, that's, I'm smiling because so I, the end of this is some thoughts and that is exactly the first thing that I thought about. Like in this text, it plays out that like we have so often split apart this thing. And so there's, there's a sacred and there's a secular, you know, um, and I laid out, you know, like some of those things too, you know, I laid out like, you know, prayer and all that as sacred. Um, and then food and sex and going to work is secular and then i went you know snowboarding well that's sacred you know so we can and we can fight about that too i will i will say that is for me that is sacred stuff um but that's the thing there like everything is retrieved with um prayer and it's from god like i i don't think there is a secular you know, we can worship as we go to work. We can worship as we go to the gym. Like, it's not this division. And I think that's, I think that's great news. To see that God is intimately involved in the everyday, ordinary junk of life. And we don't have to, like, wait till Sunday to experience God's presence. And we don't have to... We don't even have to feel like we're in like sacred space. We just are. I think that's that's good. I think that's in breaking kingdom good news. Other thoughts?
other themes, other ways that you sense the Spirit is speaking into uh, our lives through this text, through our conversation. like how it, it takes work. It takes work to be formed into the image and likeness of Jesus. It just doesn't happen automatically. You know, like, so I think, again, like going back to how he talks about, you know, physical training is of some value. If I want to be healthy in life, that means I need to get up and go run on the treadmill. Even if I don't want to, if I don't like it at times, I have to do it. Because it's very easy. If, if I had the choice, well, I do have the choice, but a lot of times sitting, sitting at home eating chips versus going to run. This is the easy, this is the easy way. I can do this all day without even thinking about it. This takes work and effort and making a decision. And so if we want to end up looking like Jesus... It's just not going to happen magically. It, it, takes, it takes work. I mean, ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit doing the work in you, but you have to be willing to get up and go to the gym, so to speak. Um, so, um, yeah. Because I think natu- our natural reflect, our natural fleshly desire. You know, if someone hits me, I'm going to naturally want to hit them back. Or if they insult me, I want to insult them. Or sometimes I'm going to insult them before I think they're going to insult me. It's because I'm going to preempt their strike. You know, um, that <laughs> full, full disclosure, full disclosure. Last night I was at a party with my, my uh, brother's family and my brother said something to me. Like, what year did you graduate high school? And, like, I'm like, how long have we known each other? You know, like, I, and I said, and I'm the stupid one. And then I thought about it later. I'm like, what, what, 
was that? Where'd that come from? And I was like, oh, that's, that's, not, a, that's not good. Because I was kind of like, I'm going to insult him before he insults me with something. And I was like, ah. I thought about it all night long last night, thinking that's, that's not good. It was too easy. It was way too easy to do that. So, any others? I think we were able to fill both of these, so we kind of know what that, we might know what a blueprint looks like, but we don't know how to build one. Mm. Not everybody, not in our own specific ways, but there's things that we pulled out of the passage that we're not, they've had some sort of disruption in the passage, so I think looking at the So let me let me uh, let me just close. I, I love it. It is so funny. So I wrote I wrote some of this thought last night, and you, I mean, like I'm like listening to you guys. I was like, yep, yep, yep. That's really cool to see. Like, because I had no idea where this was going. And it was cool to see the spirit kind of conform, con, uh, like um, confirm some of the things. One thing I want to I just kind of want to end our time on. It's uh, verse ten. This is why we labor and strive because we have, let me put my glasses on. We have put our hope in the living God who is the savior of all people and especially those who believe. Like I want to just end there. Um, They, that day and that age had a savior and it wasn't Jesus, it was Caesar. Um, And so often all their hope and energy and everything was put on to this human Caesar, who couldn't save anyone. And they put everything on that. And here, Paul is just confronting them that Caesar is not Lord and that Jesus is the true Savior and that the whole world through Jesus is going to be rescued, redeemed, set right. Um, And desires us to live in such a way that in partnership, that we live a reconciled life. And then as he wrote to the Corinthians, that you would then be reconcilers. And so, um, yeah, I pray, I pray that as we go from here, um, we will sense God's inbreaking kingdom in our lives through spiritual disciplines and seeing the sacred in all things. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to close our time. Jesus, thank you that you have been present and that we have sensed it, we have experienced it. We thank you for uh, the word to Pastor Timothy as he pastored this church in Ephesus. Lord, I pray that you would 
Help us, Lord, um, to sense your presence each day as we live. Help us to work at our faith through, um, you know, your word says, um, fear and trembling, we will work out our salvation. Um, Not that we have to work for our salvation, but it does take work to look and live and be shaped into your likeness. And so, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, may that happen in each of us. So we thank you for your word and your life and how we can be partners in the inbreaking kingdom in this world. Pray in your name. Amen.